Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. Appreciate it if you would share what you are hearing with someone else who you think might appreciate this approach to the conversations of the day. We're seeking to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news. So let's turn to that now. Um, The United States is going to, I mean, probably going to happen today, uh, declare the repression of the Rohingya people by Myanmar an official genocide. Now, we have talked about uh, the declaration, the official declaration of the of the use of the word genocide in the past, um, and it is being used here and officially applied to the situation um, related to the Rohingya people by the nation of Myanmar. And so that is going to um, bring those people into the forefront of conversation again, and it's really uh, it's really important. You remember the conversations we've had um uh, with Dave Eubanks from Free Burma Rangers. That's that is the situation that we're talking about when we're talking about Myanmar um, and the Rohingya people. Um, Russia is actively committing war crimes uh, in front of a watching world, targeting children, schools, hospitals, residential complexes, evacuation routes. Um, and I, I just I'm mindful, and I think it's just good to remind ourselves that man's inhumanity to man rages today um, in world in ways that should come as no surprise to us, and yet we find ourselves surprised. I mean, we're rightly horrified, absolutely. Um, but should we be surprised? Man's inhumanity to man, should that actually surprise us? It comes as a surprise to people who imagined that Humanity is somehow progressing, that humanity has somehow progressed beyond all that, beyond war, beyond the desire for their national boundaries to be different, uh, beyond wanting the resources of others for themselves, beyond what? Greed and whatever it takes to acquire what you want. The conversation about war crimes is a very important one, and the conversation about war crimes is going to help us Uh, focus on the reality of what people are experiencing. So as the litany of war crimes is um, being chronicled, like, right, they've started a list. There's there's 400 things on the list already. Um, It includes the deportation of Ukrainian citizens uh, to Russia, to camps, and then to cities further off. No, No accounting for who is being deported, no where they're being deported to, no under what conditions. And then the targeting of innocent people, including um, children. So the list of potential war crimes uh, being committed by Russia against the Ukrainian people is long. It's already long. Whether or not anyone will ever be prosecuted and for what and with what consequences or penalties, all of that is unknown. It's, It's unknowable. And none of it, none of it is ultimately solace to 
men who are burying their entire families or mothers who are heard begging medical personnel tending to them to let me die because they know their children are already dead. And so when we talk about justice and when we talk about war and when we talk about the reality in which we live, um, a lot of people simply do not understand that this is the consequence of sin. And these are the consequences of sin, and these are the realities um, of a sin-sick world. I am uh, rereading Ross Douthat's The Decadent Society um, as a part of just reminding myself and trying to understand where we are um, as an American people at this point in history and maybe why we misunderstand so much of what's going on around the world. God tells us what happens when people forget who they are because they no longer regard God for who he is. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, particularly the books of Numbers, Deuteronomy, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 2 Kings, 2 Chronicles, the Psalms, Job, Esther. I mean, need I list them all? Throughout God's word, there is consistent testimony to what happens when people forget who God is and then who they are in relationship to God. When we lose ourselves in pleasure-seeking I mean, the book of Ecclesiastes comes to mind, right? Reread that today. Reread that today. I mean, I often ask, where in the Word are you today? And by that, uh, uh, you know, I, I basically mean, you know, what are you studying in terms of the Word of God? Where are you in your Bible reading and study? But today I want you to consider another way to understand that question. Where in the Word are you today? Where are you in Christ, abiding in the one who is the Word Yes, we need to be in the Bible, but being in the Bible is not the same as being in Christ. So consider where you are today in fellowship with the Son. Where in the Word are you today? The Word being Christ. When we come back, General John Bradley will join us from the Lamia Foundation. We're going to get an update on what is happening in terms of both evacuation efforts from Afghanistan, but also what's happening in-country right now. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Bradley retired as a lieutenant general in the United States Air Force. He has served as commander of the United States Air Force Reserve Command. Uh, And in that role, he has supervised U.S. Air Force Reserve units around the world. He joins us from time to time to bring us up to date um, on what is happening in Afghanistan, a land that he learned to love and a people um, who he has fiercely served through an organization that he and his wife started, LAMIA, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. John, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's wonderful to be with you again. So we would love um, to have you give us an update. Uh, what is happening in Afghanistan and, and, and then in particular what's happening in terms of efforts to continue to um, have people get out of Afghanistan and to places uh, in the West? Yes, we are uh, still working very hard, uh, feeding hundreds of people every day. 
with the mm. uh, generous donations people give us. And we thank you for the attention you bring to this important issue all the time. As, as all of your listeners know, Afghanistan has uh, suffered for more than six months now under the rule of the Taliban. The economy is shattered. It wasn't great before, but it's worse now. People are very, very hungry, and we're feeding hundreds of people. We are also uh, beginning schools. Now that spring has started, uh, schools schools start to open now in Afghanistan after spring. They, they call it Nowruz. That's their new year. So at the toward the end of March is when schools open there. We are going to have uh, 13 schools now in homes for girls. The, mm, there'll be right. about 15 girls in each home with qualified teachers. We just got a grant from the Catherine Bertini uh, Trust. She, Catherine Bertini, had uh, run the World Food Program for the United Nations for a number of years and was awarded the World Food Prize years ago and started a trust fund for girls' education in uh, difficult parts of the world. And we were one of three uh, nonprofits that were selected this year for an award of $18,000, which will allow us to uh, increase the number of girls' schools we have from three to 13. So we'll have wow. 10 more schools. So we're very excited about that, deeply honored that we were selected uh, in this process. We had been asked to apply for that, and we did, and were selected. So we're thrilled with that. That's one thing that, that excites Jan and me a lot. Another Absolutely. thing is we're still trying to uh, work very hard on children who lose legs. There are so many children uh, in Afghanistan who've lost legs in explosions and accidents. And over the years, we've worked uh, with Kabul Orthopedic Organization there in in Kabul. And uh, Dr. Makape, who lost her legs herself when she was a child but became a doctor, ultimately helps us put custom-made state-of-the-art prosthetics on children. We're trying to raise some money so she can keep her clinic running and pay her very small staff for about $30,000 a year. She can keep that clinic going. We just put legs on a child that we were told about a few months ago who had lost both legs quite high up. Uh, he had lost his legs and most of one arm. And mm -hmm. we've got an artificial arm on him now and some and some walkers and some legs so that child can now walk we're going to give him a scholarship and send him to school in a private school and help his family so those are some things we're doing uh it's a it's a small amount but those are the items that we're concentrating on right now our women's clinic uh in the eastern part of Afghanistan is still doing wonderful work Dr. Uh, Nadia is delivering babies and helping uh, pregnant women, uh, doing a great job for us. She's just a most wonderful person. So those are the things we're working on as we still try to get some people out of Afghanistan. And I think we're getting mm -hmm. close. I think flights are about to start. I think the State Department has finally gotten an agreement to allow some flights to leave, and we hopefully will have some good news this week. We're trying to get a father and son out. You and I have talked about that before. Uh, get them reunited with uh, two of their of the father's 
younger children who are in the United States with their aunt now. Uh, this was a horrible uh, incident during the suicide bombing at the toward the end of August, 25th of August, when uh, two children were injured. The mother was killed, and the two children were taken into the airport and treated and flown to Germany and then the United States. They're with their aunt now, but we want to get the father and son out and reunite this family. So the State Department is working on it. It's, John, it's such good and important work. We have to take a very, very brief pause. We're going to return to our conversation with retired Lieutenant General John Bradley. Um, I'm going to um, I'm going to ask him to give us just his personal assessment of what's going on in Ukraine um, and a couple of questions just about how you deal and process with fear related to the unknown. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> During his uh, long career in the U.S. military, um, in the U.S. Air Force specifically, John Bradley served in theaters all around the world. Um, And so, John, I thought that I would be remiss if having you on today, I neglected at least a brief conversation about what's happening in Ukraine. Um, Maybe your just personal assessment and then the, the question that I probably get more often than not, like, is my is my fear reasonable or unreasonable? Um, and this fear of the unknown, and because that's really what Americans are feeling, this fear of the unknown. Um, and so can you just talk a little bit about what's going on in Ukraine from your perspective and um, whether or not we should have any kind of growing fear related to the threat of escalation? Yes, both are very important questions. First, on uh, Ukraine, it is incredibly impressive to watch the leadership in Ukraine. President Zelensky has been a phenomenal leader. And just think, here is a man who two years ago was a comedian, and he is showing incredible leadership that will go down in history because he has rallied his people. Someone else could do it too, but he's done an amazing job. He seems fearless. He rallies his people. Everyone wants to fight. You cannot pay for the will to fight. And that's one of the things that has stood out to me in this conflict is the comparison to Afghanistan. The army of Afghanistan didn't have the will to fight. The people and the army in Ukraine do have the will to fight, and they will never give up. If, if Russia were to be able to conquer the whole country, and I don't frankly think they can, I think they've had tremendous losses, thousands of troops killed, and probably five times that number have been injured. So they're going to need some reinforcements, and I don't know if they have them, but I don't think this ends well for Russia in many, many ways. They are certainly the aggressor, and they're using uh, horrible tactics. There is no doubt there have been war crimes committed in this, but I don't think the people of Ukraine will give up. And they have a tremendous spirit, fighting spirit, and they have a will to fight. And all of the men uh, who are staying there to fight are doing a tremendous job. About the fear of the unknown, yes, there's certainly a fear of the unknown, and we should be very careful with what we do. And I think we are being very careful. And I think people on both sides of a political divide here in this country, and things are so divided here, but most people think we've handled things reasonably. We just cannot put 
our um, forces into this fight. We can't create uh, an air superiority or a safe air passage area over Ukraine because it would put our pilots in conflict with Russia's and that would escalate and we'd have a world war. That's my opinion. And I think a lot of other people feel that that's true, but uh, I'm very worried about escalation by Russia, about their use of chemical or biological weapons or even tactical nuclear weapons. I don't think Mr. Putin has uh, any moral fiber whatsoever. And I don't think he will uh, stop at anything. So I'm, I'm worried about the unknown. I, but I don't believe Ukraine is going to give up. I don't think they're going to lose. I think they can defeat the Russian army, actually. It has been um, nothing short of uh, – it, it, it's certainly been inspiring. It's nothing short of all uh, awe-inspiring in many, many cases. Um, we have talked frequently here about President Zelensky and have made many of the same observations that you have made um, I wonder, uh, it, John, if because um, you used the term tactical nukes, not everybody probably is as familiar with the way our nuclear arsenal and those around the world. Um, you know, what's the difference in a strategic and a tactical nuke? Well, mostly it's the yield, the destructive power, and they are incredibly effective weapons. I mean, if the weapons that we used at the end of World War II in Hiroshima and Nagasaki uh, to end the war uh, in Japan and the end World War II were very small yield weapons uh, very compared to the weapons we have today. The ones that are on strategic alert on missiles uh, pointed at the Soviet Union and what they have pointed at us and other places are quite large yield. So tactical nuclear weapons are very small yield, smaller than what we used in Japan, but the destructive power is tremendous and it unleashes things that uh, we really don't want to consider happening in the world. It, it would just be a horrendous calamity if uh, Russia would use those tactical nuclear weapons. They are smaller yield, smaller targets, but uh, containing the fallout is a, an entirely different matter. And there's more than one kind of fallout. There's the atomic fallout, but there's the fallout of what happens next and yeah. uh, escalation then. So it's not something that uh, needs to happen and hopefully Russia will restrain itself. Amen. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. Um, John, as always, thank you so much. You're so measured. You're so faithful. We appreciate all that you're doing um, in Afghanistan, and you're joining us here today. You guys need to check out and consider helping out at Lamia, L-A-M-I-A dot O-R-G. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, we're going to continue to consider what's happening in Ukraine. The nation of Ukraine has rejected a demand from Russia that it surrender the port city of Mariupol. Uh, Mariupol has been under siege for weeks now. Ninety percent of the buildings in the city have been leveled. Um, 400,000 people originally lived there. Some 300,000 are estimated to still be within the city. People who were sheltering in the basements of many of those buildings are considered trapped. Uh, continuous shelling means that rescuers cannot get to them. 
A theater, an art school, residential buildings, hospitals have all been targeted. Uh, there is uh, there there is reporting that people from Mariupol are being uh, deported. Um, that Russia is taking them prisoner into Russia. You know that millions of people have fled to neighboring countries, millions more internally displaced. Ukraine is a very large agrarian um, country, and so people have fled from the cities into the, you know, into the countryside um, that's still considered relatively safe from Russian assaults. You're going to see that, you know, Russian tanks and the Russia's plan to uh, overtake Ukraine in this particular way literally bogged down in the mud um, as uh, things begin to warm up and the ground gets soft. Um, there is also an intentional um, explosion of a dam in order to flood a region where many Russian tanks were stationed um, so that those tanks are now some four and five feet deep in mud. Um, so all of that is going on. And in the midst of it, people are just trying to survive. So Edward Sandoval is president of World Vision. He is just back from a trip to the region, and he's going to share his observations, his eyewitness report up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Edgar Sandoval is president and CEO of World Vision USA. He has just returned from a visit to the Romanian border with Ukraine. Edgar, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. It's great to be with you. I would uh, love to just turn this over to you. Tell us what you saw, what you experienced, um, how you're meeting the need. Just just take us where you've been. Yeah, uh, thank you for the opportunity. I'd like to uh, tell you the humanitarian side of this crisis and maybe give uh, your listeners a, a view, a peek uh, about the stories of the families and the refugees that are fleeing and their uh, the trials and the troubles. But I want to first put this uh, this situation in context, Carmen. Uh, this is Europe's fastest growing refugee crisis since World, since world War II. And, and that is a very significant in fact, uh, there's an estimate that more than 3 million people have already fled uh, Ukraine to the bordering countries. And as you said, I was at the border. I was in Romania at two border points, one in, with Moldova, which borders Romania, and, uh, and on the north side of Romania, and, and Moldova borders Ukraine, where refugees are also coming in, and also at the border directly with, with Ukraine. And what I saw was... Uh, was really troubling. I was I was seeing streams of people coming through. Uh, in the bitter cold, it was 20 degrees, windy. Um, I saw people walking. Uh, some were pulling a suitcase. Uh, and, and what broke my heart the most was many young mothers uh, with their babies in their arms. Uh, but the, the stream of people crossing the border was significant. In fact, in just one day, in, in one of my visits, in one day, in, in a single border crossing, 15,000 people had made it through. And so uh, mm. it's a significant, uh, it's a significant um, exodus of people who are fleeing with uh, sometimes nothing but the, uh, the clothes on their back uh, looking for safety and, and who are very, very confused, Carmen. So, uh, you know, you look into their, you look into their faces. I mean, they're, they're right there. There's some, there's some hope. Um, because they've arrived at uh, at a border where they hope they're going to be safe. But I imagine there's also fear and 
anxiety and desperation. I, you know, I t- take us into maybe a conversation that you had with someone, a family that you met. Yeah, yeah, and and, and as you said, uh, it's confusing. And our primary concern, uh, especially, is the children. The children in this crisis. There's seven and a half million children living in the Ukraine, and they're well, all at the grave risk of. Uh, of the continuing escalation of this conflict. Uh, I spoke to several families. Um, there's uh, one story that really broke my heart because, because her, uh, this is a young mom, uh, Tetiana, with her five month old girl, uh, baby girl. And um, she had she had the perfect plan for her life, uh, Carmen. She had waited to have her child uh, until she was, a, she was stable, where she had a good career. Uh, she had a house. You know, this lady was a pianist and she was mm. uh, teaching piano. And uh, and then all of a sudden her life was upended. And uh, in one day and she flew with her baby, five month old baby, with her mom and with her nephew. And she's now the strong woman who is uh, trying to figure out how they're going to survive in a strange country. And what made this story particularly touching is that her daughter has a, a special a special condition that require her to have special food, but she had already nearly run out of it. Um, and so these are these are the you know not only is she looking for safety, she's also trying to find the right uh, the right food for her baby. I met uh, also uh, Father Naklad, who is uh, uh, World Vision has a, a long-standing um, partnership with the Romanian Orthodox Church, and uh, Father Naklad has been a long-time partner of World Vision. And uh, this, so this is the other side. On the one side, the need on the other side, in this case, the church um, putting their faith in action, right? And so uh, Father Naklad has been coordinating medical supply donations uh, for Ukrainian hospitals. And himself, he has taken uh, uh, refugees into his own home. So what I'm seeing is um, the dark side of it, but also amid that darkness, there's the beauty, a glimpse of the beauty of of, of the kingdom of God, in this case, the church being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to people in their in their time of greatest need, Carmen. Edgar, you, um, and again, we're talking with Edgar Sandoval. He's president and CEO of World Vision USA. You can find um, more information about World Vision and the ministries we're discussing at worldvision.org. Um, Edgar, you, um, this is not the first place in the world that you visited where children are in um, desperate need and crisis. Um, I, I am, I'm one of those people who recognizes that all of our attention is currently focused on one people and one place, and, and rightly so. But remind us of the status of children around the world and the scope of World Vision's ministry. Yeah, thank you. Carmen, so World Vision, uh, we operate, we've been in operation for about 70 years, and we operate in over 100 countries around the world. And what I can tell you is there's never been a greater need for organizations like World Vision in the history of the world. There's more people today in need of humanitarian assistance than ever before. That's 274 million people in the world today. More people have been forced from their homes, displaced than ever before in the history of the world, before Ukraine, there were 82 million people displaced. And now, well, that number is um, now 85 and growing. And and the children, um, there's never been more children on the brink of famine 
than ever around the world. We have 41 million people, the vast majority of them children, on the brink of famine. And, and this is what, um, why it's so important that, that your listeners um, would ask themselves the question, well, what can I do? This feels pretty daunting. Uh, but what I will say, Carmen, is that we all, we cannot individually solve any of these issues, but together, everyone can do something to help. And what I've been particularly impressed um, with the people of Romania, uh, it's been amazing. There are pouring of support to the Ukrainian neighbors it's, it's been incredible. I was at a, at a shelter because uh, let me just take a step back. The, the refugees, what's different about this crisis maybe than some of the others that, that I've witnessed around the world, let's say I've been to, uh, to Bangladesh where the Rohingya refugees are settled at a refugee camp and they have been there for years. What's different about this crisis is that these refugees are in transit. They are the vast majority of them are seeking um, to uh, land or, or to as a permanent place uh, to be Western Europe. And so they come through Romania, they come through Poland uh, on their way to Western Europe. So what they need is a hot meal. They need a place where they can sleep, that it can be warm. And they need a lot of information to, uh, to figure out how to get to, the next, to their next destination. In that process, I've been just blown away by the generosity, the love of the Romanian community. I was at a shelter that uh, in the town of Siret, bordering with, with uh, Ukraine, where the community, they decided they were going to set up um, and help um, basically transform what was an office building into a shelter. So the community mobilized and they brought bed sheets, blankets, pillows, toys, uh, everything provided entirely by the local community. And they have been able to, they help at any given time, 450 refugees during their transit time. And now World Vision is coming alongside them with the generosity, and we're powered by the generosity of, of uh, people like your listeners. With World Vision, we're now able to provide electricity into that uh, office mm. building, to provide shower facilities, to provide hygiene kits, and so in the midst of the pain and the darkness, Carmen, we see uh, a tremendous amount of outpouring and support. It's incredible. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with Edgar Sandoval from World Vision in just a moment. He's just returned from the front lines of the uh, Ukrainian exodus, uh, what has become uh, a, a flow, a migration flow um, that's very, very significant. And we're talking about how people are responding, how World Vision is responding, the people Edgar met along the way. Um, and we're also talking about what World Vision is doing around the rest of the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation with Edgar Sandoval from World Vision USA, you can Find World Vision and uh, reports from Ukraine at worldvision.org. Um, Edgar, um, maybe we maybe we pivot here just for a moment um, because you have been to a lot of places where people are suffering um, grievously, and so you are a person ac- acquainted with grief. And I think that part of what um, we as Americans have a very hard time processing through is just how much death there is um, right now, not only in Ukraine, but just how much death there is um, around the world. And when we talk about 41 million people worldwide on the brink of famine, 
we are talking about a lot of people who are going to die imminently. When we talk about a war, an active war in Ukraine, we are talking about a lot of people who are going to imminently die. Can you can you just speak to how you process that? Yeah, uh, Carmen, it's a it's a very um, interesting question because it really speaks to the core of why World Vision does what it does, and that is it, we're motivated by our faith. Ultimately, we're motivated by our faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you know, Jesus said, um, "In this world, we will have suffering, but take heart; I've overcome the world." And so what we're trying to do is to put our faith in action, is to follow the example of Jesus Christ, to follow the example uh, that he or, or the scriptures in Matthew 25, where I was hungry and I was thirsty, I was a stranger, et cetera, et cetera. And what we see in the, mid, in the midst of this pain and this suffering, which is real and is hard, what we see is that when the church mobilizes, when, uh, when the church mobilizes, well, we see a glimpse of the kingdom of God right here on earth. And uh, mm-hmm. yes, it is hard, but um, we, are to, we, we are to be a light in the world, regardless of how dark, it's, how, how dark it is. And the darker it is, the more the light shines, Carmen. Yeah, this provisional demonstration of the gospel, this, um, you know, on, on earth as it is in heaven, even if that's um, the care or the provision in the midst of a very, very difficult moment in a person's life or in a family's life, that in the midst of that pain or suffering, help comes from the outside. I mean, that is incarnational ministry. That is, that's so Jesus-y. And I love that you're, um, you know, that this is church mobilization, that this is in partnership with so many others. Talk a little bit about that, Edgar. Um, You know, this is not World Vision out there on its own, doing its own thing. Talk, Talk about the network of relationships that exist among Christian ministries and in partnership with churches on the ground? Yes, that's a very important point because there's there's many people who want to help and have great intentions. What I would ask your listeners is to consider uh, who is already there, who has the relationships already built, because that, that's where um, I think that, that first of all, is the response is faster and is usually more effective. And so for World Vision, we've been present, let's talk about, about Ukraine and Eastern Europe. We've been present in Eastern Europe for 30 days, uh, sorry, 30 years, for 30 years. Uh, and so our staff are able to immediately uh, respond to the conflict when it breaks out. And that is the same situation uh, around another 100 countries where we have a presence. And in terms of the church, I like to think of, of the church as our indispensable partners. We, mo- we work with the church here in the U.S. to respond to all kinds of um, natural disasters, hurricanes, Harvey, Maria, Irma, uh, Kentucky tornadoes. We're there. We're there with the church uh, side by side. But we're also there around the world working with the, with the global church. And, and we'd like to think that in these partnerships, what we'd like to do is inspire people to get out. As you said, get out of the four walls. Get up, get out, and get excited to walk the journey that Jesus walked in feeding the hungry and um, giving water to the thirsty. One last thing I'll say on this subject, um, Carmen, is I see around the world a thriving church also, a thriving and vibrant church, uh, whether it's youth movements in, in Latin America, in the middle of gang-infested cities, there's youth who are praying, who are, who are looking for a better future, uh, whether it's in, in churches that are going in Lebanon who are hosting the Syrian refugees, um, 
I see our Christian faith as a convener and a healer, a force for good at a time when the world needs it the most. Say that again. You see our Christian faith as a a healer, as a convener and as a healer and a force for good at a time when the world needs it the most. You know, if the if the reputation of the church could move in that direction, right, that if people um, in our communities, in our nation, around the world saw the church and the people of the church as a as a convener, a healer and a force for good, um, we would then win a witness. Right. When you talk about light shining in a darkness in darkness and you talk about a provisional demonstration of the gospel and you talk about, um, you know, real help arriving to meet real need, the church showing up in ways that um, actually matter to people in their um, in their point of desperation, in their moment, moment of greatest need, um, you're talking, uh, you know, you're talking the language of Jesus. And I think that we have somehow imagined that we could um, isolate and insulate ourselves from that. And if we could just get people to believe in Jesus, that that was enough. But one of the things that World Vision knows, um, and others who do um, humanitarian relief work know as well, it's really hard for people to listen to the gospel and hear the gospel when they're hungry and they're under threat of, uh, you know, of imminent death because of war or some other disruptive event um, in their community. And so talk about that. Talk about the, 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 the two hands of this, that people have real needs that really need to be met. Um, and yes, sharing the gospel is um, is a part of that, but one comes first. Yeah, it's it's an interesting debate that I understand has been going on for decades, uh, particularly here in the U.S. At World Vision, we don't see the the or it's uh, we exist exist at the intersection of the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Mm. We believe that's a, we believe that's a holy intersection. It's where loving others. And, uh, and witnessing to the amazing grace of Jesus Christ collide. They're inextricably linked. And it is, and that's what we're doing around the world. We are uh, providing help um, for people in their greatest hour of need and also witnessing to our motivation, which is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's so, it's wonderful. Edgar, we're so glad that you are doing what you're doing, that God has called you um, to this particular ministry at this particular time. We thank you for sharing with us today. We hope um, we hope you'll come back. Thank, thank you, Carmen, for the opportunity. One last thing, if I may, is that the longer this crisis goes on, the, the, uh, the needs are going to continue to grow. And I've seen firsthand how the donations that uh, many of your listeners have so generously contributed are making a huge difference for the people uh, fleeing the war. So we would ask that you pray for the people affected. And if you can't, your listeners, if you can't, please donate if you're able. Go to worldvision.org. The money will be put to very good use. Edgar, um, thank you so much. Again, the website is worldvision.org. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. pray for Ukraine today? Would you pray for people who are afraid and whose resources are running out? 
Would you pray for people who are trapped and afraid? Would you pray for people who are injured and don't have access to any kind of medical help? Would you pray for fathers who don't know where their families are? And would you pray for families who don't know where their fathers are? Mothers who don't know where their sons are? Um, I read an observation by a, um, an undertaker in Ukraine. He was, uh, he was driving a, a big truck um, and collecting the bodies of dead Russian soldiers and handling them with great dignity and care and wrapping them in blue plastic and putting them in a refrigerated trailer. Um, and when asked why, you know, why, why? These are, the, <laughs> these are the people who came to kill you, to destroy your country. And he said, because mothers everywhere want the bodies back. Um, I am mindful that there are going to be a lot of mothers grieving, not only today, but as this um, process unfolds. I don't know how we adequately prepare ourselves for just how much death there's going to be. But when Jesus um, talks about, you know, it, it, it being particularly hard on, you know, mothers with young children um, who, are, who are headed for the hills— um, he's not wrong. And people who have children with special needs, special dietary needs, special medical conditions, um, in need of particular prescription medicines, on and on and on, um, those needs are going to go unmet. And, and death is going to come. And so we need to be the people who are not only acquainted with grief, but acquainted with the one who alleviates all grief. We need to be the people of hope. We need to be the people who walk with others through the valley of the shadow of death and then all the way back out again. We're going to have to become uh, people really adept at grief recovery and walking uh, in, in that way of sorrows with others. I just, I just think we need to begin preparing ourselves for that role and responsibility in the coming weeks and months and years. All right. I am Carmen LeBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. I would... Love it. I really appreciate it. If you would share today's program with someone else, be a radio missionary in that way, you can do so at MyFaithRadio.com or just by sharing it on the Faith Radio app. Have a grace day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.